We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 28, 2010. And today we're going to finish up the last part of the question and answers, um, more biblical, scriptural oriented uh, Q&A that I started, oh, I don't know, two or three months back. There was one part that I didn't do, and I've, I've added a little bit to it. We're going to try to complete that today. It might be one or two parts here. And um, got this email. Actually, this is a real recent one. Just got it the other day. And it says, Dr. Johnson, sorry to disturb you um, in such times of sorrow. Uh, regarding my my mom and my mom's, I would say, regarding my mom as as you know I anticipated she's in more of a declining phase, but um, um, just wanted to kind of give you a little update there. That's pretty much what you know her diagnosis and prognosis was. But I do thank um, everyone that's praying for her and um, you know praise the Lord Jesus Christ she got saved. That's the most important part. So if the Lord takes her now, then, um, you know, I, I have a piece about it because, um, you know, she got saved. So anyway, this goes on to say, I'm contacting you because it looks like I'm going to be the next victim of the Illuminati taking down my means of warning the population. I received a threatening message in YouTube concerning my videos. The user's name is Expletion, E-X-P-L-E-T-I-O-N. Um, and this is his message to me. He says, delete your videos. We warned once. And then it gives his channel, which it's actually the, the end of the, his actual, um, the end of it is E-X-P-L-E-T-I-O. And he goes on to say his channel looks very creepy. I now understand what happened to your sermon audio site. It appears that the owner of the site received a similar threatening message demanding your sermons to be removed. This got Sermon Audio in a panic mode and quickly decided to drop you. This is why they won't tell you the reason, because it contradicts uh, their faith in God. Please warn your listeners. Now, whether that happened or not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but it sure wouldn't surprise me if, it, if that's what did happen. And it would be a reasonable explanation as to why I never even received an explanation, or a warning. The only explanation I ever received was that all of a sudden my content didn't match what was up on Sermon Audio. Um, I heard it is that I got too big as well. You know, I, I went over all this in some of the emails I put out. But anyway, let's go further. Um, please warn your listeners who have subscriptions to my channel. Also, what would you do in my place? Your advice and guidance is greatly appreciated. Uh, David, and so... Um, here was my response to him. Never, ever back down to something like this. Stand your ground, pray and fast about it, ask the Lord to intervene, if it be his will, on your behalf. And then I, I asked him, I said, did you know he has a whole group of people that he's warning? And he's got this little chintzy video up there where you hear his creepy voice in the background. and He's got all these people up there that are exposing the New World Order I don't know, a list of seven or eight different YouTube channels, and he's saying, you know, delete your videos, we warn once. The video description is a warning video to all them uploading these videos, meaning these 
videos that expose the New World Order. It says, cease your activities. You're overstepping your boundaries. I have already personally warned you. Do not force us. The end will justify the means. <laughs> and then I wrote to him. I said, this little devil is such a coward, he won't even identify himself. As Christians, we must never back down to devils like this. Where do you have Bible for that? Right here. Philippians 1.28 And in nothing terrified of your adversaries, which to them an evident token of perdition. Which, which is to them an evident token of perdition. In other words, if you are terrified of your adversaries, what is the signal that you're sending your adversary, your enemy? What is the signal? Well, that's an evident token of perdition to them. Basically like, oh, you're a real Christian. <laughs> you're terrified of me. Look at you, turn tail and run. It says, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition. The word perdition, in a biblical sense, means meaning like a drawing back into damnation. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate on losing your salvation in that. I'm just saying that word perdition is defined in that sense. Um, so, this is not something that we're supposed to be doing. And I'm not saying he was at all, okay? I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of scriptural um, evidence as to why we don't, uh, when, when, when we're faced with the enemy, what does the Bible say to do? It says to stand. And then it goes on to, uh, in Ephesians 6 to talk about, you know, having your loins girt about truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, putting on the helmet of salvation, you know, the um, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're supposed to stand against our enemies. Um, who are they? Well, in a spiritual sense, the Bible defines them in Ephesians 6 as these are, you know, evil princes and principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, powers. That's where our true enemy really is. So, um, this is why we're supposed to take on the full armor of God, as it talks about there. Now, if you think about it, the implements of the armor that we mentioned, the shield, the breastplate, loins girded with truth, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you know, above all, taking of the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of those implements are on the front of you. I mean, the helmet of salvation would wrap around the back. But if you turn tail and run, you're a wide open target, in other words. You have the armor's on the front, it's not on the back side. So, you know, I understand what I'm saying here is easier said than done. And I'm not saying this because I think I'm Mr. Super Christian, but I'm telling you, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stand against the enemy. And um, we're not supposed to be terrified. The fear of man bringeth a snare. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee, Psalm 56.3. So we're supposed to trust in God if we're, if we're afraid about something or if we're you know, concerned. Casting all our care upon him for he careth for us. Uh, you could go on and on and on. Um, with, with verse after verse after verse uh, regarding this. You know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Um, you know, and then the, the fear of the Lord figures into this too because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. 
And those types of things are necessary in fighting your enemy. But the Bible also says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So it implies um, divine protection. I just really think that the days and times we're moving into, we need to really get a handle of this. Not to say I'm, again, the gold standard there. But the Bible gives us the gold standard. You know, um, And when you do this, when you implement this, you, I tell you, it really does build your faith because when you see the Lord intervene in situations, and I've had a lot of really, really demonic situations I've been in, and if you want to hear about them, I've done a whole teaching on the supernatural stuff I've been through. And as of right now, there's not a searchable database on contendingfortruth.com. But the teachings are up there. If you go up to contendingfortruth.com into the left-hand corner, the audio tab, click into that and you'll see an archive uh, link. You can also download all the teachings from iTunes on that page. You can find them. Or you can go up to YouTube and do a keyword search for Scott Johnson and then just the word, like in this case, Supernatural. And you'll find it. And um, when you go through this type of stuff, it builds your faith more and more and more the more you go through it. And um, faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it type of thing. So it's something that's um, you build it as, as your faith increases. So let's go further. Now, um, I went up to this guy's website, this Expletio. And he, he, he's just Mr. You know, intimidator is what he tries to be. And he says, any, here's his um, thing. He says, any individual commenting here is being logged. There is no place to hide. In other words, there was a lot of people up on this guy's site. Some of them were saying, oh, ha, ha, you're, you're, you're full of garbage or whatever. And So he went up there and wanted to make sure everybody knew that they were all being logged. My response to him, I went up there and posted a response, which I normally don't do on YouTube, but I did in this case. I said, the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you, you little coward. I am prepared to die for my faith in Jesus Christ, and I will never back down to people of your ilk. One day, sooner than you think, your knee and every devil you serve will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. That was my response. His response to me, you fascist piece of animal uh, blank, blankety blank. You have no idea how worthless... Worthless you are, no clue. That was his response to me. <laughs> My response. When you, Expletio, which is his name evidently, are cast into hell and then the lake of fire that burneth forever and ever, you will be reminded of the blasphemous words you have uttered. But I pray, if it be possible, your soul be saved. So, I, I mean, again, we're not supposed to go around, we're supposed to forgive our enemies. We're supposed to, um, no matter what they say or do to us, we're still not. We're, we're supposed. To, we're supposed to forgive them. We're not supposed to want them to go to hell. Um, now, what he says to me today, I'll probably have to re-forgive them all over again. But um, I just think that if we back down to these types of people, it sends a clear signal to them that. We're no, we're, we're no real adversary to them. We're no, re- I mean, we really, if you think about it, uh, 
we're, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. We're supposed to be um, these types of things, to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness, to manifest them, to have no fellowship with them. <clears throat> if we back down and we act like cowards, what type of message is that send, sending to them? They think, wow, if this is what it means to be a Christian, you know, I'm glad I'm a Satanist, or I'm glad I'm a Luciferian, or I'm glad I'm an occultist. Because evidently we've already won the battle. You know, so it's just something that you want to think about there. And um, he ended up posting a video exposing um, him. And um, it did it in such a way where if these channels get taken down, uh, it's the spotlight is going to get sh- shined brightly on this Expletio guy. And he's just one of many. You know, he's one of many. I've got a whole group that's been after me for probably close to a year now. And they're a combination of transgender, gay, goth, I mean, the most vile, vile people you can imagine. I don't, you don't even want to go up to their website because it's so vile. And what they say about each other is so vile. I mean, they hate each other as much as anyone else. And they've got a whole site up there where they try to expose different um, preachers and ministers and stuff like this. And uh, they've got a whole page on me. And it, it, it's, it's, the whole site is satire. It even says that in the disclaimer. So they have evidently license to do this. So they just go up there and they just make up a whole bunch of garbage about people. And it's a bunch of lies... Uh, twisted half-truths and just, you know, I've had that up uh, for over a year. And, and I mean, it's it's really bad, you know, really, really bad. But Jesus said, if they persecuted me, <laughs> they're going to persecute you. You know, the servant's not greater than the master. So, although I can't stand the fact that it's up there, um, you know, there's, I have a limited amount of what I can do because there's a lot of license on the internet. I mean, the internet's like kind of like the Wild West. And um, it's very, very hard to police the internet. So, But then again, the Bible says that when you're persecuted for my sake and when, man, when men speak all manner of evil about you, great is your reward. Blessed are ye. You know, so there, it's a real, it's hard to understand it, but you have to go back to the Bible and see what the Bible says about these types of things. So... Anyway, yeah, um, and that was, um, he went up and he put up a whole video exposing uh, this guy, and we'll, we'll see how it all turns out. So anyway, next question. Um, got this from a longtime listener. Brother Scott, this is a picture of a, quote, female pastor at a church near my city who has a giant snake wrapped around her. She told me that she brought the snakes in for Sunday school to play with the kids. This is almost. <laughs> then it says, I just felt sick about it. What do you think? And uh, it was uh, this is the picture from Shepherd Hills Lutheran Church. And uh, I, I don't have, I remember the, the picture. I don't have it what I'm reading off right now. But she was, what I wrote back to him is, you know, this is sickening. She's also dressed like a druid priest. She was dressed, I believe, in this, like, white, she looked like a druid priest. And a druid is a very, very high level occultist. And she's got this snake wrapped around. So this is 
evidently what's going on. There is so much insanity going on in the churches now. Uh, I'm trying to put together the study for next week on current events. And, I mean, it, it's so insane what is going on in what is the modern day church now. There's this one church in Virginia. It's a naked church. They go there buck naked. The preacher is up there buck naked, naming the name of Jesus Christ. His deacons are sitting there. I'm talking not a stitch of clothes on, with their reading their Bibles, buck naked from the pulpit, and and the deacons sitting there. I, I mean, it's incomprehensible, you know. And they justify well. You know, naked I came into the world, naked I go, or whatever. You know, it's just, there's all manner of of absolute... This is what happens when people get away from the Bible and get their own little cult pet doctrine. This type of garbage happens. Uh, I saw another one, and we'll get into this next week, where there's a... Uh, they had a whole gambling theme for a, for a message where they were using all these gambling themes like double down and all these things in a very, very positive church-like context. Um, and the, the preacher was preaching in a... He looked like one of those guys that deals cards in Vegas. He had a visor on and he had the, the vest and he was dressed up like a guy that dealt um, cards in Vegas. I mean, so much blasphemy going on right now in the modern day. And this is just more further evidence of that. Um, I said she's dressed like a druid priest. This is back to this question. Um, I told him, I said, I had a python when I was a baby Christian. And although um, it really liked me, I got rid of it because of this true story. I've probably told this before. This is true. This really happened to me. Um, I was taking a nap during the day and was awoken to see the sheets at the foot of my bed moving like my snake was under them. I knew it had to be my python and I thought he must have escaped the cage, which had never happened before. I had one of those cages where um, it was a glass, but it had the thing on the top that was spring-loaded. And there was really no way other than, I mean, brute force that 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 snake could have broke out of the cage. So I was sitting there, I'm taking this nap, I see these, um, uh, I w- woke up and I see the, the sheets moving at the foot of the bed, near my feet. I knew it had to be my python, thought it must have escaped the cage. Well, when I lifted the sheets to see what was causing them to move, nothing was there. Nothing. And my snake was still in his cage. I went and checked. It was very creepy. Uh, anyway, I got rid of the snake ASAP as soon as possible. Uh, I believe this was God's way of warning me, in other words. I, I just I don't think snakes are something that we need to be having, particularly when you look at Genesis and, and uh, you know, as far as any animal-like creature, this curse has actually been put upon the serpent. And, um, you know, it, here, I'll read you. Genesis 3.12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat, regarding the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. 
And then Genesis 3.14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. There's no other animal that, that goes on its belly like a snake as a, as a um, rule of thumb. They don't have legs. You know, I understand you can say, well, a lizard kind of does, but a lizard at least has legs. A snake doesn't have that. He literally has to propel himself on his belly. Um, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, the serpent and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. But it says, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Again, this isn't exactly an endorsement for keeping snakes. So, just something to think about. If you've got a snake, if I was you, I'd get rid of it. I'm sorry if you're attached to it, but it would be better that you please God than, you know, please a snake or keep a snake. I think my snake's name was Barney. If I remember right. I think it was Barney. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, what? Jerry? Jerry? Oh, Yeah. We had a black snake in the back where we used to live, and his name was Jerry. He would actually let me pick him up. I, don't know, I probably shouldn't have been doing that either, but anyway, um, I'm just not afraid of snakes really that much. I, I mean, granted, I mean, if there was a cobra there or something, I'm not going to mess with it. But um, anyway, let's go further. Uh, next question. I need some more guidance. This is from uh, same person. He says, I'm praying and working on fasting. I'm having such a hard time making decisions lately. I know that the mind is spiritual and needs washing in the word. Washing of the water of the word. Okay, uh, And in prayer, and I'm focusing on those things, I prayed about the following question and I'd like some input. Um, I'm married. Everyone in the body of Christ keeps, quote, reminding me to support my wife spiritually and financially. I have no job, but I did receive two job opportunities. I have no choice to work for one of the two. Here's my response. I would agree with your friends in that the Bible is very clear on the man supporting his wife and family. I mean, if he's able to do so. I mean, if he's in a coma or something or, you know, an invalid. I mean, obviously there can be extenuating circumstances, but the Bible is very clear. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house. Remember, it's his own, not her own. His own. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That doesn't sound good to me. To me, that sounds like an issue of heaven and hell almost. I mean, an infidel is a non-believer. And this is saying you're worse than an infidel. Uh, this isn't something I'd mess around with. Now, some, a lot of women out there, not particularly my listeners, but, you know, the Joyce Meyer types, I can't stand even seeing her on TV for five seconds, hardly. Uh, that woman, oh, so unbiblical. But a lot of women would not like the Bible verses where it talks about the clear guidelines and mandates and qualifications for a pastor, bishop, deacon, elder, spiritual overseer, whatever you want to call them. And it's the husband of one wife. It's never 
the wife of one husband. It's such a foregone conclusion. They don't even talk about women doing this in the, in the New Testament. It's not even a matter of debate. And yet we've got women pastors in every faction of these different denominational systems permeated almost to every single one. I imagine, I don't know if the Baptists have them at this point or not. They probably do. Almost every one. Because we've got to be politically correct. There's no Bible for it whatsoever. None. Now, I've done a whole teaching on this, the biblical qualifications for a pastor, and I also did one on what women can do for the Lord. Now, you can label me as a chauvinist all day long, but you're going to have to label the Bible as a chauvinist. Because all I really did is try to go over what the Bible clearly states. That's all I'm trying to do here. Make, you know, just go over these biblical tenets. That's it. And many women would be offended by the Joyce Meyer types, would be offended by saying, oh, you can't say that a woman can't be a pastor on this other stuff. Well, the Bible says it. The King James Bible is very clear. Now, you have some other version, some other version that's derived from a corrupt text, uh, whether it be an NIV or a living or whatever. they got Bibles water, so watered down anymore that you can't even get saved from them. They're getting so bad. I'm seeing some translation quotes that are so bad and give such leeway and justification for their sin. And this is exactly why we have all these false Bible versions. Because the devil, what did he do in the Garden of Eden? What was the first thing he tried to do? Question God's word. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of the, gar- of the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. He tried to question God's word. He's doing the exact same thing today, except he's doing it with whole translations of the Bible. Started in 1881 with the Revised Version, or really in earnest it started in 1881, with the Revised Version, uh, translated by two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort, who used two corrupt Catholic manuscripts that ultimately derived their um, origin from the Alexandrian Egyptian uh, corrupted texts. And which this, this revised version of 1881 has essentially spawned all of the modern day versions that we have. They're getting so watered down today. I saw a quote from one of these new Bibles, and I mean, it was, I mean, it was so unbelievable what it said and the justification for this apostate ministry. And it gave total license to it because, hey, it's in the Bible. Yeah, uh, your corrupted, perverted, mega, mega corrupted, perverted Bible. I don't know what, I mean, it showed the version. I never even had heard of it. They're coming out with so many of these. Well, also, another motivation is money. Because, see, every time they come out with one of these versions, it's copywritten. And they make more money. And they, hey, it's the new flavor of the week Bible club. You know? Anything goes in the flavor of the week Bible club. Well, see, the King James, other than in England that King James Bible is not copywritten. So, um, you can copy it and you know, you're not going to get in trouble. But those same women that would be mad over what the Bible clearly states regarding their, them being a pastor, a deacon, or elder, um, a lot of the men would probably be mad over this verse that aren't providing for their own house. Because it's very clear, if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, it's always his, it's always masculine, 
He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, And that we study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that we may walk honestly toward them that are without. Now, in other words, those that are without are the unsaved around us. We, in other words, we want, to have a, we want to present a good witness and testimony and example to them. If you're going around being, you know, sitting there and, and, and you know, doing nothing, not supporting your wife, letting her support you, and you're perfectly capable of working, you know, um, that's not a good witness that you're sending to other people. And I have, I've had some personal experience with this, and it sends a real bad message to even the unsaved, because even the unsaved know it's not right. And you have to understand, you're accountable for the, for the, what you project to the unsaved people around you. And this is why the church is considered such a joke most of the time, because the people on the outside look at the so-called Christians, and they're like, well, if that's being a Christian, I don't want any part of it. I'm better than that guy. And they see all the, the garbage that goes on, you know, and... So it goes that, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. And then Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Well, that's what they, that was pretty much standard deal. And then next, uh, then verse 12 says, now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So, um, anyway, that was, that was my response there. Now, I understand there can be extenuating circumstances, okay? Like I said, guy's in a coma, he's whatever, okay? So... I understand that. So don't just say that, you know, I'm telling somebody in a coma that he's got to, where, you know, and I understand there's there's further, there can be a lot further. You can have some horrific accident, some disease or whatever. I understand there's, there's extenuating circumstances. I'm talking about in general, somebody that's capable of working and, and supporting the family or at least contributing and they're doing nothing. And it happens all the time with, with, well, with some men. Um, okay, next question. Uh, Dear Scott, after listening to your sermon on UFO, aliens, fallen angels, Nephilim, and the days of Noah, I couldn't help but send you this web link. It explains in some detail about the serpent seed line doctrine. I pray that the material on this site will help you to understand that it is a, quote, true doctrine. It has been hidden from us for a reason. The reason that it was able to hide Satan's literal children, who are the 13 satanic bloodline families. This enabled them to work behind the scenes with the power of their father to help them bring about his kingdom, the new world order, and set him on his throne. Okay. Now, here's my response. I have no problem with Satan having his own seed and bloodline. In fact, this is what I teach according to Genesis 6 and many other scriptures where fallen angels procreated with women on earth. Hey, did you see the new movie that's coming out? Clash of the Titans. It, now, they did this during the 70s or early 80s. But now they've got the new one. 
Guess what? Guess what it's about? It's about the Titans. It is about those that aren't fully God and aren't fully man. But they're both God and man. What's that? Well, isn't that kind of the same thing that happened in Genesis 6 when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, took them wise all that they chose, and those days were giants? Otherwise referred to as the Titans of old, the Greek myths and all these other things. There's, there's basis in fact in those things. And this took place, I believe, primarily prior to Genesis 6 to the flood, when really, literally, these things ruled the earth. So much so, the world was so corrupt and so wicked that God had to destroy the whole world with the flood, save eight people and the animals on the ark. God had to start over. That's how corrupted the seed of man had become. And um, I've get into this in many of the studies I've done. So, <clears throat> the fallen angels... Um, Okay, so I, I go on to say that this is what I teach according to Genesis 6 and many other scriptures where fallen angels procreated with the woman on earth. But I have a real problem with saying that Eve slept with Satan. That's what the serpent seed doctrine teaches. And there's a ton of people that believe this. Ton of people. Eve slept with Satan. Why do we need to go there when we've got Genesis 6? But the serpent seed doctrine teaches Eve slept with Satan or Ham with his mother to bring this bloodline about. This is all so unnecessary. As we know from Genesis 6 that the fallen angels had children, the Nephilim, the fallen ones, with the daughters of men. This is the serpent seed. It, is, it did not come from Eve and I can biblically prove it. Okay, how can you prove it? Okay, let's let's look at some Bible verses. Matthew twenty four thirty eight and Luke twenty uh, Luke seventeen twenty six says, and it as it was, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. What is the significance of this statement, and how does it relate to the whole Nephilim UFO and other alien agenda? The flood epic of Genesis six begins with a strange account of the sons of God or angels in the Old Testament. That's how the sons of God um, phrase was used in the Old Testament. Every single time. Now I understand the New Testament's different. But in the Old Testament, if we compare Scripture with Scripture, precept upon precept, line upon line, the sons of God is only used in one way. In Just do a keyword search in the Old Testament. See how it's used. It's angels every time. Oh. Um, so, this is the strange account of the sons of God or the angels in the Old Testament taking human wives. Genesis 6-4. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bare children to them, the same became men, mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. Now remember, it says also after that. So, it's not only just the days of Noah happened afterward. Well, what biblical proof do we have of that? Just look at the promised land. After the flood, um, the Israelites go in there and take the promised land. What was already pre-positioned in the promised land? According, and Satan 
probably had prior knowledge. So he pre-positioned his, his true serpent seed line in the promised land. They were giants. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. And it goes and gives account after account after account where they battle giants or where, you know, the, the, the kings and the people of, of those regions were just gigantically huge. Okay, so the Hebrew word which is translated giants is Nephilim, which means the fallen ones. Jude describes them as angels having left their first estate. That's what Jude describes them as. These, angel, these fallen angels came to earth for their own purposes and to corrupt the seed of humanity and ultimately destroy the human civilization so as to clearly negate the biblical statement below by God himself. The Bible clearly states in Genesis 4.1 that and Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. It didn't say Satan knew Eve and she, she conceived and bore Cain. And if that's the case, why would she say I've gotten a man from the Lord? Didn't say not. Didn't say she got a man from Satan. It said Adam knew his wife, not Satan knew his knew Eve. And then, uh, unless you believe the Bible is wrong, Satan did not have relations with Eve. Here's another way you can prove it: Genesis three fourteen and fifteen. And the Lord God said unto the serpent. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity or war between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He's saying he's putting war and this original sense between the serpent and Eve. And you're telling me the serpent procreated with Eve? God said he was going to put war between them. They weren't buddies. And it also says that Adam knew his wife and bore him Cain. They say that Cain was the start of the serpent seed line. How do they possibly say that when it says right here, and Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I, Eve said this, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Doesn't sound like it was Satan that had sex with Eve, sorry. Doesn't even sound like a remote possibility. Now, if you want to use some corrupted, perverted Bible, it's a lot easier to justify, most likely. I knew a guy that was heavily into this. Um, there's certain pockets of these people that believe this. And I, I hate to say it, but what, the, what I see about these people that believe this, they start thinking, well, I'm not part of that serpent seed line. I'm better. I'm part of the chosen ones. Like a real hyper-Calvinist type of attitude type of thing. I'm better. I don't really got to, you know. And they almost invariably, and this man did it, uh, downgrade the King James Bible version. They got to do it some way because the King James is real clear on this. So they got to try to try to discredit the King James Bible, use some other Bible to justify what they're saying. What does it do? It pumps them up. Or the people that believe in British Israelism. 
where the Israel's been uh, the the Levitical, I should say Levitical, but the actual literal bloodline Israelite twelve tribes being Jewish has been done away with, and now that's all been transposed onto um, the uh, certain Anglo-Saxon sects of you know. British people and this type of stuff. There's a whole sect of black people that believe they're the literal 12 tribes of Israel now. There are so many cults out there. There's so much bad doctrine that it defies the imagination. I can't keep up with it all. I believe, I, I, honest, I can't keep up with it all. I, can't, I just can't do it. And I get people emailing me all the time, what about this, what about this? The first thing you should do is go up onto the internet if you want to know about something like um, these black Israelites. Do like black Israelites in quotations and say exposed, heresy, debunked, and then like put in the word Bible. Do those keywords and see what you come up with. Do your own research first because um, a lot of times there's so many I mean, there's so many ministers out there that are that are into this unbelievably bad doctrine. I can't keep up with it all. Let's go further. Uh, so I go on to say in this article, so we have two distinct sea lines, one of Satan and one of Eve. If they had sexual relations, their seed would be one, not two distinct seed lines. Because remember, I will put enmity between thy seed and and her seed. They're two distinct seed lines that the Bible clearly references in the, in the Bible verse that I just quoted from Genesis. Genesis 3. And between thy seed and her seed, he's going to put enmity. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. If Eve had sexual relations with Satan or the serpent, their seed would be one. They couldn't be uh, uh, separate and distinct like it says in Genesis. So there's another way you debunk it and disprove the serpent seed stuff. Now, um, here's another question. Question on Ham, Noah, and uncovering nakedness. Uh, Thank you for your work of exposing the lies. It's helped me a lot sharpening my discernment in the... um, This is from Hugo. In the Antichrist teaching part 9, you mentioned Ham and him having... And him seeing his father's nakedness, Genesis 9.22. The explanation of this verse one can find is in Leviticus 20.11. The man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Canaan is the son of Ham and Ham's mother. Oh, come on. This is a real leap of logic here. Here. Uh, my response, I would differ from what you stated in that when Noah awoke, he knew what had been done unto himself. Noah knew what had been done unto himself. Why would, if Ham had had sex with his mother, why would Noah knew what had done, been done unto himself? The verses below do not say that he had anything to do with Ham's mother. This happened purely between Noah and Ham. Uncovering one's nakedness can apply in different situations other than the verse you quoted. 
See bold versus below. We really can't be dogmatic as to whether Ham just saw his father's nakedness or something more happened as the scriptures don't elaborate further. Genesis 9.20 And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and he was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Now that's pretty clear. He was uncovered in his tent. Okay. And Ham and the father... Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Now, see, remember this thing I've been talking about like with my mom? Me not wanting to see her nakedness and how that's a really, really big issue for me? Because Leviticus says we're not supposed to look upon our mother's nakedness for she is our mother or our father. Well, I think it's a big deal to God, too. And these are verses like this, if you're put in that situation, that you can go to God and say, God... You know, I understand we're not under Old Testament Levitical law, but there's a lot of things in Old Testament Levitical law that are just pointing out sin. And remember how the Bible says, if I had not known the law, I had not known sin? Well, there's a lot of things in there that are moral law. Now, there's some that are ceremonial. Uh, and there's some that, are, that wouldn't apply to us at all, that would only apply to Old Testament Levitical Jews. And there's, there's other things that you can look at. But there's some that are just flat out moral laws. And they're, they're just as applicable today as they were then. You know, and uncovering your mother or father's nakedness, I believe, is definitely one of them. <clears throat> well, it goes on to say, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backward. Now, if this... I mean, it appears here he actually saw his dad naked. And what was the response of Shem and Japheth? They took a garment, laid it upon their shoulders, and went backwards. In other words, so they couldn't see his dad. And covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not the nakedness of their father. And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. So... You know, what actually happened, hard to be real dogmatic about. Um, but it wasn't good either way. It wasn't good. Now, to look at the other times in the Bible the term uncovered nakedness is used, particularly the bolded verses that I'm going to get into, this term does not make sense in the scriptures above if we apply it to Noah's wife. In other words, to Ham's mom. Because he was asserting that Ham had sex with his mom, which really is a total leap of logic. That's the first time I ever heard that. Uh, so I get a lot of people email me, and they've got some little cult pet doctrine that they have so dogmatic about. And God showed them, and they get flat out totally prideful. And I've been shown this, you haven't, you're not spiritual like me, and I'm better. And you know what that is? That's pride. Take heed lest you fall. Um, it goes on to say, and I go on to say, she is not even mentioned in the scriptures above either. Noah's, Noah's uh, wife is not even mentioned. Leviticus 20.11 And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Okay, so that's a, that's a way that uncovering one's nakedness can be applied to actually a sexual act. Okay? Leviticus 20, 17. And if a man shall take his sister 
his father's daughter or his mother's daughter and see her nakedness and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing. And they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He hath uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his iniquity. Um, Leviticus 20.18 And if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness and shall uncover her nakedness, this is when she's on her menstrual cycle, he hath discovered her fountain and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood. And both of them shall be cut off from among their people. Back then, this was a really, really serious, serious offense. You're cut off from your people? And it doesn't say there's really a remedy for this. At once it's been done. I mean, in other words, if you sleep with your wife and she's having her menstrual cycle, if you were caught doing that, you were to be cut off from among your people. Leviticus 20.20, And if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin, and they shall die childless. Again, this has nothing, I don't see how we could possibly apply this to him having sex with his, with his mom's wife because of the actual specific things that they got into in the verse in Noah. Um, in, in the verse in uh, Genesis that we just went over. So anyway, I just, I kind of wanted to, wanted to kind of go over that. I've done some teachings on the Nephilim, if you just go up to, uh, for right now, probably the best way is to go up to YouTube and just Ken Scott Johnson and either Nephilim, N-E-P-H-I-L-U-M, or UFOs, or DNA, any of those, you'll pretty much find them. Or even the word seed. So anyway, let's go further. Brother Johnson, I just wanted to inform you about some recent things Disney and Nickelodeon have been pushing upon the youth. I know you're very knowledgeable about Disney, but I wasn't sure if you've seen the new devilish atrocities they came out with in the last few months. Here I'm going to try and give you a quick look at what they're doing now in case anyone emails you about them. First, Selena Gomez from a popular Disney series, Wizards of Waverly Place, meaning that's a witch, just typically a witch who's a wizard is a, is a man. Selena Gomez from the popular Wizards of Waverly Place has recently moved into the arena of rock music. She's becoming as popular as Miley Cyrus when it comes to the young people and she is idolized and lifted up in their eyes. One of her songs is entitled Magical and has the following lyrics. Wish I could put a spell on you. Wish I could make you feel like I do. Wouldn't that be sweet? Wouldn't that be sweet so magical? Wish I could flick and wave the wand, the magic witch wand, get everything I ever wanted, and put a spell on you and make all, make it all come true. Well, isn't that special? Um, that's the lyrics from one of her songs. Can you believe how blatant Disney has become? Kids are hearing this. They are being raised to cast spells and get whatever they want. This is pure evil, and this is what the next generation is being taught to believe. And then you have Harry Potter, which is a very extreme. And then you have all these vampire shows. It's really about getting what you want. It's really about fulfilling every desire of the carnal flesh. Is really what they're they're teaching. 
And then he goes on to say, second, as for Wizards of Waverly Place, I ended up watching one episode today on a marathon that Disney is having uh, in build-up to the movie premiere tonight so I could just see what they were teaching the youth through the show. It was unbelievable. The title of the episode was Fashion Week, and they promoted Dungeons and Gargoyles, uh, and Dungeons and Dragons, I guess, Young men lusting after supermodels, not listening to their parents, new age doctrine, just having living in the moment and not worrying about fixing your mistakes. And when those mistakes finally had to be co- corrected, the main character used magic to do so. See, magic is always used, witchcraft is always used in order to do good. When did they start this? They started this a long time ago. You look at Bewitched, you look at I Dream of Genie, um, you look at... Uh, my favorite Martian. You look at a lot of those really old time shows, even from the 50s and the 60s. What was it? Oh, we'll just use witchcraft to fix everything. See, witchcraft's good. Because I dream of genie. What is a genie? It's a, a genie is actually referred to as a jinn. Very, very high level demonic spirit. Okay? And um, bewitched and all these shows, what did they always do? They always use magic or supernatural powers in order to fix and do every. And they always were portrayed as having more power than the average human being. Obviously, way more power. To the point where they could kill you in, in a heartbeat if they wanted to. We were actually powerless to do anything against any of this garbage. Which is all a lie from the pit of hell. But this is how they want... This, this started a long time ago um, in um, Hollywood to do this. It's just gotten more and more and more flagrant as the days and the times and the years have went by. <clears throat> Going further, uh, let's see, if you follow this link, he gives a link here, and I'll, I'll put this full um, PDF up, I'll associate it with this teaching, so you can click on, uh, you can explore this further. If you follow this link, you will find a list and description of every episode made so far, including the spelling incantations used for each episode. They've actually got the spelling incantations used for each episode you can go up to on this Wizards of Waverly Place episodes, which is from Disney. The one I watched was apparently episode 34. Check it out and read the evils that are being promoted on the show, and they deal with werewolves and vampires as well. Yeah, Disney, Disney is as nasty and as, as corrupt and is as evil as any organization that has ever been created. And I say that because they're trying to do it under the guise of wholesomeness. I mean, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. They put, you know, light for dark and dark for light. Sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. This is what they do. Also check out Disney's Friends for Change group. They are pushing heavily for kids to make a pledge to the healing the environment and basically promoting the one world order mentality. This sounds like Mother Gaia worship too. Here is the link for you to go and research this movement. It's Disney group Friends for Change. I guarantee that it will be becoming bigger and bigger in an issue as the months go by. The videos will start playing as soon as you go to the link. Let me know what you think. Last thing I want to share with you is in regards to the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar, The Last Airbender. Before I was saved, I loved the show, and interestingly enough, I discovered that... I can't, you know what? They're coming out with a uh, a movie on this, I think, now. This Last Airbender? Because I, I, 
pretty sure I saw some advertisement for this. Oh, I, saw, I heard this disgusting uh, statistic on the Olympics that when the Olympics started, they had put in 100,000 condoms into the Olympic villages so that all the Olympians could fornicate their brains out and, and not have to worry about transmitting sexually transmitted diseases or getting anybody pregnant. And do you know that that wasn't enough? They had to bring an emergency um, uh, shipment. Uh, they flew in of more condoms, I think 8,500 more condoms in because they ran out of the 100,000 that quick. I mean, I guess these Olympic villages are just like, uh, they go there and anything goes, you know. I mean, once their event's probably over, I guess they're just, turns into a big orgy or something. I mean, that's the only thing I can think. They go through 100,000 condoms. I mean, the Olympics are only a couple weeks. I understand they probably get there before that. But that's incomprehensible. He goes on to say, before I was saved, I love the show. And interestingly enough, I discovered that so did children and adults of all ages. The show is no longer running as it did last year. Um, But M. Night Shalamalin is directing a three-part Avatar movie that will be coming to theaters soon. I've had a lot of people email me about the Avatar movie that came out. Um, You could do a two- or three-part study just on the Avatar movie. I expect this to be... The Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, Harry Potter, Twilight type of trilogy which will capture the minds of people and lead them away from the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are so obsessed with that Avatar movie that there are whole support groups now for people that have seen the movie and when they come out of that experience, because I think it was 3D, they literally go into a deep depression because they so want their world to be like Avatar. Mother Gaia worship. Um, you could go on and on and on. They're so depressed that our world is not that way that they go into deep, deep depressions. Many of them become suicidal. Yes, there's whole support groups for people now. that are People are in counseling after they see Avatar. Not because it messed them up, because they, they're so upset the world isn't that way. Again, a lot of this happened right in the middle of me going through this stuff with my mom. And I haven't been able to get to it all. So, anyway. Um, I expect, uh, let's see here. I could go into depth about the series, but I just wanted to mention a couple things. In the second to last episode of the second season, Aang, the Avatar, ends up seeing a monk who teaches him about the chakras. Now, the chakras are the energy centers of the body that the New Agers tap into. Okay? They're these chakra points that are um, on different parts of the body. They're, they're right down the midline. has a lot to do with the whole kundalini, serpent spirit force coiled at the base of the spine, and your chakras. It's totally new age. But I know, I've known a lot of doctors over the years that say they're born-again Christians, and they get into this garbage, and they are in it. And God took me out of that stuff. I was in it at one time, not really the chakras. I never got into that very much, but... I was into this at one time, and God just yanked me out of it. And I have never went back into it since then. But I know a lot of people that uh, say they're born-again Christians, and they do this really, really new-age stuff. As 
as healthcare professionals, and they see nothing wrong with it. Uh, and they've been doing it for years. And that is a real bad road to start going down. <clears throat> uh, anyway, Ang the Avatar ends up seeing a monk, teaches him about chakras, and being one with the universe. At this time, I thought this was cool because I was into the New Age and was like... Um, and was like this, educating the kids. Now I recognize the spiritual dangers attached to the series. The worst part is this. And you'll find this next bit shocking. In the second to last episode of the third season, Aang finds himself on a strange <clears throat> moving island, which he finds to be a giant turtle beast. I hate when that happens, when a giant turtle beast kind of drags me away. Happened me last Tuesday. Sorry, just kidding there. Anyway, and while he is on the island, he becomes a small clearing where there is a hexagon shape engraved. The avatar actually says to his animal companion that it is the hexagon, that it is a hexagon. <clears throat> when he is in it, he goes in it to meditate and that when he makes contact with his former past lives. So he goes into this hexagon to get in touch with his former past lives. Which is another life in the pit of hell regarding reincarnation. The Bible says it's, it's, un, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Could this be a teaching, kids, that the hexagon or the hexagram is a tool for making contact with spirits? You better believe it. In fact, it's the highest way. you can. It's the most wicked thing you can cast on the ground if you're a witch. It's the highest level occult symbol, as far as I know, to actually summon a demon from another plane of existence to this existence. Pentagram can be used, but a hexagram is actually, from what I've been told, more powerful. Well, it's a six-pointed star. Six, six, six. You can actually get six, six, six out of a hexagram. It's a hex, meaning curse, a gram. It's totally wicked. I've done a whole teaching on hex, the hexagram, if you have any doubts. Just key in Scott Johnson on YouTube and hexagram, and you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor just told me about this show Nickelodeon's got, The Fairly Odd Parents. And it's about this kid, and he's got these two fairies helping him out, I guess. And he can get whatever he wants from these fairies. Now, fairies are totally demonic. Tinkerbell, all that garbage, you know, all the stuff. Gnomes, trolls, fairies, they're all demonic spirits. Some of them act like and manifest elves, even the Keebler elves, and I'm really sorry, but even the Keebler elves, they're no good. Whenever you see those pointed ears, steer away, okay? you got to steer away from the pointed ears. Okay, now that doesn't apply to Spock on Star Trek, though. Now, come on, we got to have a little leeway and liberality here. Sorry, just kidding, teasing. But anyway, um, yeah, the whole fairy, elf, troll, elemental spirits, these types, they're all demonic. Now, some of them manifest as good spirits, and some of them manifest as bad. And that way you can have the whole satanic dichotomy of good versus evil within the same story, when you're dealing with evil versus evil. And this is how the Lord of the Rings and Avatar or, or any of these shows like this present themselves. Harry Potter, good witchcraft, bad witchcraft, you got white witchcraft, you got black witchcraft. It's, it's all a lie from the pit of hell. It's all evil. It'll all take you straight to hell. You know? Now, granted, I understand that's not the criteria for going to hell uh, regarding uh, re rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, but 
ultimately, that's where these things will get you if you stay in them. Because if you believe them and you adopt them as your religious beliefs, you're not going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's for sure. You can't bow the knee to Baal and bow the knee to Christ. you you, you got to choose whom this day who you're going to serve. So, um, at some point in your life. So, anyway, he says, could this be a tool for um, the hexagram making a tool for contact with spirits? Yeah, it's very, very uh, good point. Then he goes on to say, I am shocked now looking back at the series and even more so after listening to your sermon on the hexagram. Here's the part of the transcript from the episode. It's called The Old Masters. Oh, oh boy. Um, where this happens. Uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm reading this. Um, he's walking toward this hexagonal shape. Um, and then he says, it's a hexagon. I'm just kind of looking at this right now. Well, anyway, he, he goes on to describe this particular scene. I'm not going to go ahead and read the whole thing, but it's very new age, very demonic scene. Um, uh, anyway, that was pretty much the end of that particular uh, thing. I'm going to go ahead and end part one here. Actually, I think this is going to be part four of the Q&A session. And uh, from what I had started from way back, And we're going to go to part, I believe, five next. God bless you.